Hello and welcome to Voices for Scotland podcast. Um, we are, this is, believe it or not, this is the first one of the year. Um, I, I can't believe it. We've been so busy um, and, and stuff. And it's been a bit of a quiet time in Scottish politics, not. Um, it, it's been rather busy, the opposite. Um, how are you doing, Adam? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that about it being the first one of the year. I, I feel... I can't. I can't believe that it's March. I can't believe everything that's happened. And I'm just. I feel knackered already. I need a holiday, <laughs> even though I can't go anywhere. But yeah, other than that, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, yeah, everything's okay here. Um, still in lockdown, working from home. But obviously, I work from home anyway. But lonely distance. It's not going out to meetings and stuff. But I think by easing out of lockdown and. As the beginning of April, things are beginning to open up again, so that'll be good to, to get outside because I've not saw the outside world for a year. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough time, but um, yeah, hopefully we we are coming to the end of the the end of it if we can have a sort of gradual um, gradually come out of lockdown and return to some form of normality, whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. For you, for me, for everyone else. So, so we shall see. We shall see. Yeah. Um, so I think we should just dive right in, as I say, and speak about That's things. It. Yeah. It's been quite a busy time, and I can't believe this is a this is the first podcast of the year. But however, we're here now, just in time to to hear about all the news that's happening. So, um, I, I don't know if you want to kick off. Well, I suppose the thing that's been dominating the news uh, this week are the, the reports about the Scottish government's handling of uh, the complaints procedure and whether the First Minister misled Parliament or not. Um, so, yeah, so that that obviously came out yesterday. Um, one report came out yesterday in the committee report out today. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it showed, it was conclusive that, the first minister did not um, breach the ministerial code, um, but you know, I, I think you know, everybody, everybody have heard that news, everybody will have read and listened to comments and opinion. But um, you know, I, what what gets to me about this is that it's it. I'm, what I'm I'm deeply concerned by the approach that some politicians are taking in it in it to me it's undermining the Scottish Parliament as an institution and it's undermining democracy in Scotland. Um the it's 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 a bit it's a, it's an absolute mess and it's it's a mess that has been created um by people with different differing ideological views. So it's very, very one worrying in, in that concern that in that way as well. So, and I think that today, um, so we're recording this on Tuesday. Today, there's a vote of no confidence in the first minister. Which, um, personally, I, I, I think that that motion should be withdrawn um, because the the report that came out yesterday said that the first minister didn't um, breach the ministerial code. So, to me, that motion of no confidence. As I say, that I think that undermines the Scottish Parliament as an institution, um, and to me that's deeply worrying. And I'll, I'll say that say this just you know a bit of a caveat to what I'm saying. You know, obviously I work for Voices for Scotland. Um, I 
we we have we have no affiliation to any political party whatsoever. Um, in a personal capacity, um, I'm not a member of any political party. I'm, so I'm I'm saying this as impartial as I can be. Um, but I think the behaviour of some individuals and political parties in this whole affair are deeply damaging to the institution of the Scottish Parliament and to democracy in Scotland. Yeah, I, I can go along the lines of you there. Um, first of all, I might put people off by standing at the Scottish elections um, uh, and stuff. The, this, is, this is like the last week um, before uh, Parliament uh, Parliament goes away and um, people vote for the new government in, in May. First off, I would like to say that it's very sad to end the Parliament term in, in this way um, because there's been decent regulation being put through in terms of the hate crime bill and okay that was controversial but other stuff during the years as well and I suppose it's very good it's quite sad to see the likes of Mike Russell Mike Russell and other um, MSPs retiring and this this will be um you, you know that they, they will be um the um you, you know that I, 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 sorry it's leaving a, a sort of taste in their mouth um, even even though it's not the like the kind of SNP's kind of um, I wouldn't say fault, but but you know what I mean. And I, I think, in my opinion, and I said this to you the other day as well, that it's been used as a political football um, because when you when you listen to most of the so-called um, the evidence and, and stuff, Nicola Sturgeon sat there for, what was it, seven hours, uh, given evidence, uh, you, you know, it's never seen in, in politics in the UK or, or, the, or the world or whatever you want to uh, say like that. But some of the questions that they were asking was a bit out of order. And they, they weren't uh, abiding by the rules of the, um, the, the kind of like convener. Uh, of the meeting, so I just think from start to finish, Gavin, I think it was a political football. They made up their minds before they had the first meeting of, of the committee as well, and it, you know, everybody's looking at our politics now, but um, you, you know, and everybody's saying, you know, that um. You know, I, I think as well that everybody's looking at our politics not in a good light because they've they've actually wasted a lot of time by by doing this committee and, and stuff. I, I don't know if it was a bit of a PR. No, stuff. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's if it's been a waste of time because I think it it had to happen and uh, I don't think people often look at politics and political parties in, in such a great light anyway. But I think one of the one of the biggest issues is that is that within this committee, again, this is just just my personal opinion. But I think within this committee, they were dealing with something that was pretty pretty serious. That the actual remit of the committee, but the, the whole context around it was something really serious. And I think, in a sense, that um, some of the members on that committee failed 
because they let their their party politics and their biases get in the way of of the actual remit of what the committee was set to do. And I think that that's uh, to put it mildly, quite quite unfortunate. I think another thing as well, which is is deeply unfair, and I don't I don't really want to get into the details of um, the Salmond case and the trial and all the rest of it because I think there's uh, yeah there's, there's so many reasons not to get into because it's you're you're raking over you know coals or whatever the, whatever the phrase is, but I think one of the things that came out in the committee report was that it, uh, something I'm paraphrasing but something along the lines they find that um that Nicholas Sturgeon didn't know about the allegations made against Alec Salmon prior to when she said she did. To that that's again deeply concerning because what you're saying is that you're the okay the, the, the case is done and Alex Sam was found uh, not guilty and not proven um, in the allegations. Um, within that, there's there's the the legal argument which he was not not guilty of, but there's also a, a moral discussion there about about appropriate behaviour and what is appropriate behaviour for a man in a position of power. And um, I think that's often forgotten. And what sort of comes out of that committee is that um, is that Nicholas Sturgeon is responsible for that alleged immoral behaviour as well. So I don't I don't really want to you know go down go down that line too much. But I just think there's there's some serious questions, and I think a lot of people making noise about this, making comments about this. Have to take a step back and, and put everything into a bit of context here and think about what they're really seeing, um, particularly in social media and and some of the stuff that mm. I, I don't know. I, I'm I've, I'm kind of I feel really done with social media. Just some of the absolute rubbish that you you see on that. To be honest with you, but I think everybody um, from from the very very top, you know, including the politicians. Um, in in Holyrood and the parliamentarians, um, right down to to members of the public like you and I, um, need to take a bit of a step back and look at this whole situation and try to put things in a bit of, bit of context about what people are actually saying because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of noise, um, which is really unhelpful. Do you think that um, what I was watching Patrick Harvey yesterday on the TV and he made a Interesting point. I, I don't know if you, you share the same opinion as as him um, about of everybody on that committee. Should they not stand now because they they let Parliament down in the in the kind of way? Uh, I I didn't see that interview. Um, I, I'd be surprised, and I would be surprised if, if Patrick Harvey said that everybody should stand, every on the, everybody on the committee shouldn't stand for re-election. That's that seems quite harsh. I think the the, the person or persons that leaked the information, um, you know, they really need to, to have a look at themselves because that I think that I think that's actually undermined the the work of the committee. So I think mm. they would have to um, they would have to. Think about their actions and their their position, but it's not for it's not for me to say. Um, I think I'm I'm really glad that I work for an organisation. I'm really glad that Voices for Scotland is an organisation that is non-party political because I say it probably said it a million times on the, the podcast before, but party politics by its very nature is divisive and it sets people against each other. And I think the the work of the committee 
um, has shown has shown that. And what that also shows is that when that those divisions and those that those partisan politics come into effect, what it shows is, is that slows down progress. And what we should really be looking for are ways of working together across party lines. Um, to because ultimately those every single one of those MSPs is elected to represent the public in Scotland. And if you let your party politics and your ideologies get in the way of that, that actually stops progress and slows things down, then that's a serious problem. And of course there there, there needs to be room for debate and discussion um, because people do come at things from a, a different point of view. But there are times when those divisions along party political lines slow progress or stop progress altogether. Couple more things before we finish up on this one. Um, uh, just come back and your point about social media, it works well, but in this occasion it doesn't work well because you see all the like t- keyboard warriors basically come out the woodwork and making comments and nasty comments. I mean, we've seen it with, with football in the last couple of weeks, especially um, going down the racism issue. Run. Don't worry, we're not going to speak about that. And you can, you can if you want. I think it's, it's absolutely abhorrent that that's... That what's happened. I mean, yeah, we don't. It's it, the problem is, is that we're you know you're looking at that in a in a football context, but it's a much wider context. That what happened on the that pit, what happened to Glenn Kamara on that pitch on the Thursday night was just disgusting. I mean, it's a, a, alleged racism, but um, so yeah, you have to have to wait until UEFA does an investigation. But the 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 fact is that it doesn't happen in isolation of football it happens in society mm. and it's absolutely mm. disgusting and again you know people that and, and you know what and it happened after the, the Celtic Rangers game on Sunday I saw something on social media about a, a, a Cel- somebody who will call themselves a Celtic fan um, making racist comments toward Alfredo Morales and it's absolutely disgusting mm. anyway, so yeah, yeah, good to follow on with that, Alan. I don't know if you saw the pro- programme on BBC One last night, um, Disclosure, and it was, I was showing you about, I think it was four or five Asian women standing uh, for the Hollywood elections coming up, and the, the names that they, they've been getting called before, you know, it's just like, terrible how... You know, we, we've got to highlight this issue, this gay, gay age. But if you haven't, so I would recommend going watching that. It's quite interesting. Um, one other thing be, before we move on, when you were when we were speaking about the committee in the Scottish Parliament, I think as well because the committee didn't really work that well. I think the Scottish Parliament has to reassess how they do committees in the next session of Parliament uh, as well. Um, but that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, that's, a, that's a bit of a bombshell just to say they need to... Why, <laughs> why, why do you think they need to reassess how the committees work? Well, I, I, get, I guess you when you look at the committees, you've got one people, one person from each party, so obviously they're going to be a bit, in my words, biased in, in a kind of way or, you know, whatever. Um I'd, 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 sorry, man. I disagree, disagree with that because if, if we, if what I what I just said previously, and obviously people can disagree with that, but mm. yeah, we have to, have to work together 
um, from all political parties to to make progress. And, and I think the committees have a really important role in doing that. And that's why they have to be representative of the different parties with, within Holyrood. Mm-hmm. So I think actually it's, you know, well, they, they ha- for me, I think they, they have to, they ha- that, that they, I think they work really well in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in this instance, you're talking about the, the committee that looked into um, whether Nicola Sturgeon misled Parliament or not. I think maybe some of the issues were are around um, the, the nature of their remit and um, the politicking, if that's the right word, that went on around it and, and the sort of circus that actually ensued. I think that's that's a big part of the, the problem with that. But for, for me and in, in my experience, I think committees work really, really well and are a really important part of, of the Scottish Parliament. In, interestingly, do, have you, do you have alternatives or, or if, if you think the committees don't work well, what, what how would you change it and, and what alternatives would you would you suggest? Maybe maybe that came out the wrong way or back in front or upside down, but what I meant was that particular, that particular committee. I agree with you that, you know, the committee's work and, I mean, I'm a member of some kind of like cross party groups at the Scottish Parliament, obviously not not going at virtual at the moment. Um but this this particular um kind of like committee, that that's that's basically what I was saying. But no, I agree with you all all the committees kinda of work but good for this one. Um I think it's just because it's been a high high profile case from start to finish. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's probably one of the most, probably one of the most um, challenging, challenging. Um, you know, we might say any any committee's probably had to be objective, mm-hmm. um, because the, mainly because the consequences of what the committee find are are so great. I mean, essentially. Um, had the report yesterday found that there had been a breach of the ministerial codes and, and the committee report had found that Nicholas Sturgeon had known Nicholas Sturgeon had knowingly misled the Scottish Parliament. And then the, the the consequences of that would surely have been the resignation of the First Minister. So I think the the consequences of the what the committee found have probably never been as significant in terms of the makeup of Scottish politics um as this one had. And that and that's maybe why um it's it's gone down party lines in this particular case, but um, yeah, I, I think I think really what the, we have we have I think dwelled quite a lot on some of the detail, which um, maybe it isn't the right thing for a, for a Voices for Scotland podcast. I think the implications of it though are are much more serious and much more important in terms of how individuals and political parties have sort of positioned themselves. Um, last November. I think it was last November, Boris Johnson um, said that the Scottish Parliament, I think the quote was, had been a disaster. Um, and that the, he was, they were, the Tories were trying to make moves to hand more powers to local authorities rather than the move away from the Scottish Parliament. Which, when you read between the lines, to me, it seems that, the, that there's a... <laughs> There's a there's a great fear about 
the possibility of independence in Westminster. And I, I, I don't think we can ignore the fact that the the behaviour of the leader of the um, Scottish Conservatives um, and his proxy in, uh, in Holyrood have said things and acted in a ways, as I say, acted in ways which have undermined the Scottish Parliament as an institution and democracy in Scotland. And I think that's all part of a wider campaign to um, to undermine the, the idea of independence for Scotland as well. I think that's, that's really fundamental. And I think we've seen before, and we'll see it again, the tactic from the unionist side is to make independence all about the SNP and mm. target the, the party's record in government and to target individuals. That is what we are what we are watching right now, and that's that's why I think, and I hope others agree that the work we're trying to do with Voices for Scotland is so important because we're not attached to any political party. What we are doing is setting out the vision and the possibilities for an independent country because that's what independence is: it's the opportunity to make things better, and that's basically the whole core of the work that we do and it's really important for us and for many others that it's not party political that it's a civic movement it's it's for people to set out their ideas and their views of what independence means so it's really i i, I think just to, to maybe to to draw a line under this and to, to sort of maybe conclude the conversation about the the recent reports i think it's really important to set this all in the context of independence and the massive fear that Westminster have that independence is a growing reality. And that's, to me, my analysis of all, that's what all this is about. This is an, an attempt to to move, remove the biggest threat to the union. And that's probably is Nicola Sturgeon. So that, that I, that's my <laughs> quick analysis of that. If you wanted to make a comment on anything you've heard, uh, you can tweet us at Voices for Scott or check our fantastic website out. Um, I've got to say that because Adam's here. Um, <laughs> VoicesforScotland.scot. You can check the website as, out as well. Um, now, just, just on that as well, actually, I yeah. just want to say as well that um, just off the back of what I was saying there about it being a, a civic-led campaign and for, for people to set out their vision for the country that they want to see. On our website, we've got a page called, um, there's, there's two pages, one called Voices for Scotland, where you can see what people think. You can you, People, anybody listen to this, anybody can, can go onto our website and they can upload a video just saying in one minute, why do you want independence? Why is independence important to you? And it's not, not about facts and figures, not about you know GDP or debt or currency or anything like that. What's important to you? What's important to you, to you as an individual or your family or your community? Make a little video and then go upload it on our website. And, and it's because it's really important that we share these stories. So yeah, go to our website and tell us why you support independence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. That, that, that's move forward now. Something else came out yesterday that you were telling about about the the graft for the independence. Uh, if the SNP gets uh, a majority, then it's got his um, elections. There will be another independence uh, referendum not, not, uh, this year. Yeah, so uh, not not this year, no. The, uh, no, sorry, that's highly, <laughs> highly unlikely it'll be this year. But uh, yeah, so yesterday, which pro- may, some people may have missed, um, but the, the draft referendum bill um, 
was was put forward in, in the Scottish Parliament yesterday. And I think the key thing to take away from that is that if the SNP form a government in the next um, the next uh, Parliament, that there will be a referendum in the first half of their parliamentary term. So, um, I th- you know, that's... I, I, I guess, um, yeah, so, that, so I think that that's fairly significant. Um, I think the, I need to see more detail. Obviously, yesterday was a very busy day in terms of what was happening yeah. in Scottish politics. I've not been through the, the, the detail of it. But essentially, um, the, the headline from that is that if there is an SNP government, there will be um, a referendum in the first half of the next uh, Scottish parliamentary term. So um, I think I think that's I think that's really important because it, it gives us a, a time frame to work to. Um, uh, I suspect that that will be at the at the latter part of of the the first half of the of the next parliamentary term, not least because the rest of this year um, and to, so probably sometime into next year will really about be about recovery from the pandemic and sure. I think that's, that's got to be the really the main thing that, that any government across the world is focusing on mm-hmm. um, but of course that recovery you know independence does have a role in that recovery because I think we are at a, um, a pivotal moment in with regard to the well really I mean not to be too grandiose but actually the, the direction of, of the planet in many ways um, but from a from a national point of view, where it's a really pivotal, pivotal moment, and I think actually being an independent country could be quite significant about the long term future for 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 everybody within the country and about the decisions we take and the path that we choose to take. And obviously, it's so important that as a nation we are able to take the path that we want to take, not the path that's dictated to us by um, by a, a a government we didn't vote for, didn't elect. And I suppose that leads us on nicely to, to the next topic. So well, yeah. well done, Alan. Um, nice and slick there. Uh, I, I see what you did there about um, the, the social care review that came out um, at the beginning of February. And it was done by um, Derek Feely. And it was called the Feely Report. If you haven't um, saw it, I would recommend you going and see it. It's um a big it's a short film. It's only for about two minutes or something, and it speaks to um where we tells you what re- reviews about, and also they interview some people with a disability, but el- elderly people as well. That that one one man has like dementia and, and stuff. So it's very quite interesting to see obviously I come from that kind of background but I want to cast you that we, we haven't spent a lot of time speaking about this not even on the, on the phone either but what's your thoughts about um, a, a social care system in Scotland again that that would be that would be something good when we when we do have independence and, and have, our, have our own powers as well um, well, I mean, I, th- I think one of the, one of the many things we might have learned from um, in, over the last year or so is that a national care service is really, really important um, for for a, a number of reasons. And and I think, I mean, I've I've not 
seen the report. I've watched watched that video, and you know, I'm probably not the best person to talk about this. You, you'll be much more knowledgeable about this than, than me. But a, a national care ser- service integrated with the NHS um, seems to be a fairly logical um, step, and I, I think. My, my under, I'm testing my, my knowledge here, but I think the care service was privatised in the early 90s, I think. Um, before that, there was a national care service. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but perhaps maybe you're probably better to... Do you, do you know much about that? Well, I think that, uh, obviously, I think we are kind of doing things at the right time because I think that the system was kind of broken in a way in terms of people with disabilities and, and what have you before. Um, but I think it be, because that when this um, kind of like pa- pandemic, uh, you, you take a step back and you look at life and you say, well, is this working? This is not working. What do we need to do to fix that? And I've been doing a lot of thinking over the past couple of weeks, well, over the past couple of weeks, over the past year, and I've been I've been saying that you know things isn't working out for disabled people the way it should be. And when when I saw this review coming up by Derek Philly, I thought, well, it's a good review, and they're doing it at the right time because to me, that like, I don't know about your points of view, but for me, it's it's about hitting a reset button because we'll. We, for disabled people and and people in the the social care community and and all that kind of stuff, we can't really afford to go back because it wasn't working. So we need to design a new kind of like care service as well. And we need to listen to to people. And when you watch that video, that's very very interesting because, and I've been saying this for years as well, we should always listen to the... I don't want to say experts because nobody's experts, but we, we should listen to the people. It's actually um, the, the care service has been affected by. Mm. You know, it's okay, you know, speaking to the wee guy, um, good for a good Scottish world, a wee guy doing the street, you know, speaking about social care, but he's not involved and you know, in that community or not being affected by it or, or whatever. Um, but when you hear from somebody with that experience, especially the unpaid carers, you know, like um, they live it every day. In fact, most unpaid carers do not get time off whatsoever. You know, it's 24 7, uh, seven days a week. Um, so we, we should actually put people front and centre as well and maybe use that as, you know, um, listening to the people it's affected by. And the other thing I would say as well is um, it was mentioning about self-directed support. Now, that regulation came in about, I, I, I can't remember now, must be more than 10 years ago now. But if you go to different parts of Scotland or even in Glasgow, there's some people that doesn't really know what self-directed support is, what's it for, who's it aimed at, and, and all that. So, you know, that that's my kind of... You want to explain what it is, what self-directed support is? Yeah, I so basically you can get self-directed support and if 
somebody was needing support in the in the house, say with you know personal care or making dinner or you know whatever, um, well you can hire a hire that sort of one, but you can buy in a personal assistant. Uh, or as I call it, a PA, but that's a personal assistant, and you can use your budget to to buy that in, or maybe take your care away in holiday. Not at the moment, obviously, but stay location or whatever yeah. the, the word so does. That, does that come out when you say your budget? Does that is that called the, the personal care allowance? Is that what it's called? Yeah, and you yeah. have that personal care allowance, and what you you use that uh, budget on the things that you need. Basically. Yeah, 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 and that and that's my understanding of that is that that's done through the local authority. Is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah, okay. But but this is where it falls down a wee bit because if you go into local authorities, they would say yeah, self-directed support, and then other authorities they would go into they they would try and put you off getting self-directed support. Mm-hmm. But self-directed support is there to. Um, Help your independence and and a kind of way, um, not not independent for Scotland, but you you know independence, independence, yeah, yeah. You, you know, get out and about and, and all that. So I think it's a good thing how like Derek Fiddy is doing this review at the moment and and all that. Um, well, it sounds it sounds very like it's it's very much needed, but I think you, you touched upon it just there. I think the, the most important thing. The, the two most important things are about collaboration and listening, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's about you know you, you know you use the term the experts. There are there are experts in the field, people that you know spend time researching what happens in other places and what might work you know best for certain individuals um, with certain disabilities or in certain parts of Scotland as well. Because um, and, and, and most importantly, service users, people that use the service, what do they need and what are the barriers? And I think, you know, again, you know much more about this than I do, but I think for a lot of people it is about, it's about reducing the barriers that the disability places upon them. So within, within your house, uh, for example, you put in place, depending on the disability you might have, you put in place different uh, tools that you might need handrails, whatever, and, and each one of these things removes a barrier. And I, and I suppose if you expand that out and look at the wider care service and the national care network, its function has surely got to be to reduce the, the barriers that disabled people face in every aspect of life. You, you as an individual can control what is in your, the barriers that you have in your house and how to reduce them. Perhaps what this, you know, national care service has to do is to look at that on a on a, a local and a national level and reduce the barriers that disabled people have in their outside life. But that can only happen through collaboration and through listening, listening to service users, discussion yeah. between them and the experts and the decision makers, um, and and that's really the only way um, that it, that it, it can work well. I mean, ultimately, what you're you're looking for is, is a quality service which removes the barriers and that happens regardless of personal means because you know it's a, it's a really different situation for a, a disabled person living in poverty than it is for somebody with you know access and, and, and wealth and, and means the different sort of private you know, care so i think it's got there's got to be a, a quality service um regardless of, of personal means 
one of the things that you said at the start of this was though that this is, um, you know, this. I think I, I'm paraphrasing. You said this. This is one thing that could happen with independence. Why can't Why can't this happen now? Because because I, 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 and the reason I ask that is because we speak a lot about the the country that we want to be and I think the changes that we want to see and. Sometimes we've got to be aware that changes changes can happen now. We don't have to wait. Some changes can happen now. We don't necessarily need independence for every change. It might make it easier in terms of how you finance things and you can borrow money and all the rest or you know use the tax money and all the rest of it. But but why can't what can happen now and how would that be better with independence? No, I mean I'm no, I mean I, I was just saying that and. Kind of a, a context that uh, you know does kind of like happening now and, and and all that, um, but you know you know if you want to go a bit deeper than that, the you know um, people's budgets might be affected or whatever, um, and in terms of we we haven't got um, you know and and stuff and I would be I would be good, but. You know, I suppose I'm... I feel, like, I feel like I maybe put you in the spot here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suppose I'm waffling the honor a wee bit now. No, but, no, no. I, I, just, I just wondered if there was anything specific that, that, that came, to, came to your mind about that in terms of independence. The, 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 the first thing that jumped to my mind was there about specific policies um, that have affected disabled people more than others. I'm thinking particularly about the policy of austerity, um, the... Um, Department of Work and Pensions with the yeah. outsourced, I think it was the ATOS scheme, which yeah. declared people fit for work when they clearly were not. And um, and then actually looking at the at the um, so that, I mean that that's one thing particularly about about the Department of Work and Pensions and and the incredible failures um, with regard to people with disabilities. Um, which not only affects them in terms of physical disabilities, but mental health and mental disabilities as well. Um, and um, wider than that, uh, and which is maybe less to do with independence, is, you know, looking at the effects of the pandemic, I was, I was reading some, some figures last night that 60% of the, and this is just, I think this is just for England actually, but 60% of the people, so it probably would be comparative in Scotland as well, but 60% of the people that have died from coronavirus have, have been had a disability. And I think that's, there, there, there are many things, there, I think there, there are many, probably many aspects behind that statistic, but it's deeply, deeply concerning that that's the case as well. Yeah, I wish we were going to speak about this because um, there's a Scotland, a Scottish organisation did the same report uh, only for people, um, People with a, a disability sadly passing away with the a coronavirus and stuff like that. Maybe, obviously, maybe we can come back to that further down the line. Yeah, but it's it's quite quite interesting because uh, the people uh, has been been missed, and that goes back to not getting the right support the right times. Obviously, I don't get self-directed support, but I can I hear people's like views and I work with different organisations uh, and I know that people's care pad- packages have been cut at the moment uh, in terms of personal care because of 
um, coronavirus and, and, and all that. So if, if somebody was getting like 25 hours a week, they would maybe get, you know, like 15 hours a week. It, it's definitely being cut, you know, and mm. they kind of like rely on that person to, to go out and, you know, self-collective support as well can help numbers, you know, shopping or taxis or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, so... You know, self-directed support works in so many different ways and it's a good way to get people's independence and um, and coinskins built and, and out you go and stuff like that, you know. But in some local authorities, sadly, it's not really working so so well and we, we've, we've got to do more, uh, raise awareness about um, self-directed support even more now, you know. Yeah, definitely. Do you know, I think, I think this is, you know, we've only got a limited amount of time to talk about this today, but I think it's definitely yeah. something we should come back to, yeah. um, you know, at, at a different time. It's such an, such an important issue. Um, and we should follow follow how the, the progress of the, the development of a, of a national care service as well, because I think it's, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's so, so important. So I think let's definitely come back to this yeah. um, at some point soon. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Okay, well, um, um, thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll be back next month. As I say, if you've got any comments or any things you would like to hear on the podcast, maybe me, me, me not being on the podcast, might not be a good thing, actually. Uh, you can uh, tweet us at Voices for Scotland and look, look out for our website, voicesforscotland.scot, and uh, We'll see you next month, and thanks for listening. Bye.